Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. May is Military Appreciation Month, and Navy Federal wants to celebrate the commitment that connects them to their military members. So visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to check out our member-exclusive offers during Military Appreciation Month. All right, talking with Army veteran Harrison Johnston from, he's the uh, Director of Operations for FitOps Foundation. Uh, thanks for being here today, Harrison. Before we get to talking about the great stuff you guys are doing at FitOps, take us back, tell us what you did in the Army. Well, I joined when I was 22, so I guess I was a little bit late to the game, but uh might have helped me out a little bit at the beginning. But I joined the Army uh, in 2010 and joined uh, joined the infantry. Uh, I don't know if I feel like I did it voluntarily, but my recruiter got me to do it regardless. And, you know, to be honest, I joined uh, with the intention of doing just a few years and getting my GI bill and going back to college and paving my own way, uh, free of the strings of my parents and, um, a a long story before the army ever became into my life, but, uh, spent only a few months outside of basic training in my first duty station before I deployed, which was Fort Wainwright, Alaska, and then found myself in Afghanistan and quickly realized that, who I was and my origin story for lack of a better term uh, had really all perfectly led me to that exact job and that exact moment. Uh, Like I said, I was a little bit older than the rest of the privates and I had already in a lot of ways failed at being a civilian and right off the bat really tried to always look at the army as a, uh, a skill set that would lead me back to the civilian world to be a better, uh, to be better than I was at it the first go around. So I spent nearly 13 months in uh, RC South or Kandahar province in Afghanistan early on in my career. I loved it. And most importantly, for the first time in my life, I was proud of what I was doing and proud of who I was. And I knew again, for the first time that the people around me, uh, parents, friends, loved ones could be proud of of who Harrison was for a change. And that was a very purpose-driven feeling uh, and truly found my place in the Army. I spent a long time as a young child and an adolescent battling with ADHD. And, you know, not to get too far off, but it was a huge driving factor in my success, being able to, for the first time, look at my ADD as a strength rather than a weakness. The army forced me to actually confront it. And what it was, what it did for me was give me the ability to function highly at a lot of different things in a chaotic atmosphere and thrive. Um, So that was a a huge part of my early on success. And as a person uh, helped me grow very quickly, but um I was running to the army or from something like most veterans. I was running. I didn't know what it was at a young age, but I I did find something that really filled me with, with pride and I latched onto that. And so I went from doing three years and getting out uh, to committing to a career in the army. 
and treated every day like it was going to be my job for as long as I could make it my job and really, really found success. And first time I I truly knew it was going to be a lifelong thing was the first time I had the opportunity to be a leader. And uh, that was shortly after uh, my first deployment back at Fort Wainwright, you know, I was given my first fire team and, mm-hmm. and able to really look at the things that I was passionate about doing and the things that I was also, I felt at least, uh, pretty good at and apply them in a leadership role. Mm-hmm. And, you know, through my own story of, uh, what led me to the army, I had this, this need for, um, whether it was misguided or not, this need for approval. And so I found myself as a young leader, wanting to apply that same need for approval that I had that kind of forced me out of college through wanting to be the center of attention and which doesn't really, uh, work out well in a uh, academic setting. Um, but I found that same need for approval being a very good skill as a leader in the army because a lot of army leaders and military leaders don't really care about their approval. They just care about the people that work for them following them. Mm -hmm. And, really started to try to try to find my leadership strategy. And I could, I would nearly call that disruptive to an institution that relies on, you know, respect to rank, not the man kind of concept, but uh, I, I, I stuck to my guns. And so young leader uh, doing kind of thing, doing things kind of a, a different way, um, really started to enjoy it and hit my groove and spent First three years at Wainwright, spent the middle chunk for about five and a half at Fort Campbell in Kentucky, deployed again there, uh, knocked out every school I could possibly find or get access to, and just wanting to try to make myself as invaluable as possible to the Army and uh, to my to my soldiers. And had a lot of fun, did a lot of crazy stuff, and will always look back at that five or so years at Fort Campbell as the most fun time of my Army career. Um but then had the opportunity to go be a drill sergeant for the last couple. And that was by far my most uh, defining moments as a leader and a human. Um, but year, 10 years in, I decided through a very difficult narrative of mental health problems around me in my life to make the leap into the civilian world. So great. Thanks for sharing that. What, so Talk about your transition out of the army, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Want to hear that? Um, and uh, ultimately, how you ended up uh, working for FitOps? Yeah. So, starting at a young age, actually, there was this narrative of suicide around me. Starting with my grandfather at a uh, mid-teens to a couple of my close friends from high school. Uh, that I didn't find out about until my first mid-tour leave from deployment. Uh, soldiers around me, leaders around me. Um, it, there was, it was just all over. And you know, I, I never battled with suicidal thoughts myself. I was fortunate enough to not have those demons, but I still couldn't get away from it. And a mentor of mine towards the last part of Fort Campbell um, ended up taking his own life while he was actually at the Sergeant Majors Academy. And I sat back and I looked, uh, spent a lot of time talking to my wife and to be transparent, a lot more time in my own head, trying to figure out how I could prevent myself from being that guy. 
um, because that my mentor, I looked at him as the tip of the spear, the premier NCO in the army, uh, had it all together and I couldn't process how a man like that could end up feeling like there was only one option. And after a lot of, a lot of talk, I, I looked at the whole transition thing ahead of me, uh, and really found that there was no other option for me and my family. I came to the realization that the army was no longer adding to my life. It could really only take from, I felt like I had gotten all of the skills and, and experiences I could possibly get. There's naturally going to be thousands more schools out hundreds more deployment opportunities, all types of things I, I potentially missed out on. But if you go back and think about my original mindset of looking at the army as an additional skill set that would make me better at being uh, a civilian, I felt like I got what I needed uh, to set out on a new mission. And I decided that I was going to make it my mission in life to find, develop, and truly centralize or localize veteran support programs that addressed uh, leading a purpose-driven life, transitioning, and also focusing on a holistic approach of wellness with the mental health topic being at the center of all of it. And I had the opportunity through uh, family connections to secure an internship with the Career Skills Bridge Program with the governor of Arkansas as his first military intern to do exactly what I set out to do. I told him I wanted to find, develop, and centralize veteran support programs, but I wanted to do it in my home state of Arkansas. And that was an easy win, especially since the Skills Bridge Program doesn't require him to pay me. Um, he was like, sounds good. So I signed up to that, and almost coincidentally, and I hate using that word, and we'll talk more about why, but I hate using that word because I don't believe in coincidence. I think that if you lead a life of value and purpose that and put good energy out there, good things will come to you. Um, my boss says it all the time, but if you build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. But I was introduced to FitOps through a service connection, um, kind of a platoon sergeant and PL or platoon leader role. He was my platoon leader or officer cohort had taken, had gone through his transition. And I was actually uh, more or less covering for him as he transitioned out. I had no clue what he was doing, but turns out he had stepped into the role of executive director of the FitOps Foundation. And they had an opportunity through a lot of uh, networking connections to throw a camp together in Northwest Arkansas, my hometown. And my predecessor said, Hey, I know a guy from Arkansas. And so I, you know, went full throttle and did everything I could to get involved. You know, I had this, this vision of what I wanted to do with my life. And I look over in this organization ran by Matt Hesse had figured out how to fulfill that mission. So initially I had no, no intention of doing anything, but learning what they were doing, getting involved and helping where I could. I was still very early on in even the, the conceptual phase of transitioning. I still had probably a year left of service and after going to my first camp, helping them get their first Arkansas camp set up, I knew it was what I was was meant to do. Um, FitOps has all the right, had all the right language, all the right missions, all the ethos and values you could ever imagine in a veteran organization. But more than anything, they focused on empowering veterans and educating veterans and translating the skills veterans have as uniformed soldiers into civilian value and worth and skills in their newfound second mission, if I may. And so I signed on, uh, went to Matt Hesse, told him 
give me a broom, give me a mop. I don't care. I just want to get involved and spent the next uh, six months interning for FitOps and helping kind of rewrite the basic operations of the program, narrowing our sectors of fire and focusing on what we are as an organization and where we were heading as an organization. And that's kind of how I got involved and it forced me into really defining my own mission and why FitOps was so important to me as, uh, as an organization. That's awesome. Hey, Harrison, hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Navy Federal Credit Union has made it their mission to help their military members for over 85 years. And I've been a member for the last 31 years. During Military Appreciation Month, they want to help celebrate the commitment that connects them to their military members. I became a Navy Federal member in 1990 when I first went on active duty and many of their employees are military family members, reservists, or veterans themselves, so they get the military. They offer resources like Best Cities After Service and Best Careers After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life, and long after my retirement in 2013, I'm still a Navy Federal member. They have 24-7 customer service and support, so they're here for you whenever you need them. Most of my fellow Marines are Navy Federal members, like Bump, Gromit, Frazier, and Bones, just to name a few. So visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to check out our member-exclusive offers during Military Appreciation Month or share your shout-out with hashtag MissionMilitaryThanks. Navy Federal is shared by NCUA. If you've ever needed or ever known anyone that has needed emergency medical air transport, you know it can be expensive. And with all the sacrifices you've made to protect our country, you deserve financial peace of mind. An AMCN membership can protect your family and finances allowing you to worry less about what matters most. Air Medicare Network provides access to life-saving emergency care around the country, and their members enjoy an added value. Members pay no out-of-pocket costs for emergency air medical transport when flown by an AMCN provider. Keep in mind, your health insurance may not cover the full cost, but for as little as $85 a year, an Air Medicare Network membership covers your entire household. It's security no family should be without. For a limited time, as a Veteran on the Move listener, you'll get up to a $50 e-gift card when you join. Visit airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash vet and use the offer code VET. That's V-E-T. All right, back talking with Army Veteran Harrison Johnson. Uh, he's a Director of Operations for FitOps Foundation. So, Harrison, you're just about to start digging into what um, you, you know, we led up to how you found your way into FitOps as the uh, Director of Operations. So, dig into what you guys are doing at FitOps and what your program's all about. So the FitOps Foundation's core mission is to empower, educate, and inspire veterans to find purpose through fitness and community. And our core mission, our foundational program is a 12-week, nine online, three, three weeks in person certification program for personal trainers. And so what we do is we bring veterans in from across the country and in some cases across the world. Um, some guys and girls are still stationed overseas when they fly in to experience fit ops, but we bring them in on an all expense paid uh, experience that is aimed to educate them in the fitness world, translate their skills as we talked about earlier into civilian skills and empower them through a community based organization. So we spend those nine weeks online um, 
learning the core curriculum, all the, the nuts and bolts of being a personal trainer. Then we spend three weeks in person on a live on camp model that simulates kind of a basic training feel with, without any of the yelling and hazing, I guess. Um, What's the fun in that? But, yeah. Well, I've, I've, I think we've all had our fun and, and, you know, respecting the fact that they've already done it once is, yeah. uh, is, is always important, but we spend three weeks filling in the on hand and practical application of all of the, the knowledge that they've gained on the, the distance learning platform. And we do it through a very comprehensive and unique way that takes a holistic approach to, to wellness and fitness, focusing on uh, like, I guess the why of a lot of the things that they've learned, we bring in top fitness professionals, trainers, dietitians, nutritionists, physical therapists, and even social media influencers. But the aim is, is to set these veterans and these fitness operatives, as we call our graduates back into the world with every tool they need to be successful. Um, our, our initiatives, I guess you could call them would be, to really build up a community of people that are, were bound by a shared experience, give them the, give them the ability to translate their, their existing skills as, as soldiers and service members, how to translate them into a, applicable skills in the civilian sector. There's a huge break in communication between civilian employers and service members. Yeah. We're not able to speak to each other because we, we don't have that, that common language. Uh, now, Harris, you fit said opposite. the fit up, your fit ups program um, is part of the. Uh, I can't remember it. The, it's bridge something part of the bridge something program. So the skills bridge program. Skills, skills bridge. Yeah, and I, wanted, yeah, so. I, I asked that because uh, believe it or not, the last episode um, was about workshops for warriors, and which was also a skills bridge program. And honestly, I don't. How long has the skills bridge program been around? Because the last episode when we were talking about uh, workshops for warriors with uh, Ernan, that's the first time I'd ever actually heard of it. And the main thing or the main benefit that I see, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but active duty service members can actually come to your program and go through the program with permissive TAD or TDY and it can be paid for while they're still on active duty. That's right. Isn't it? Yes. So yeah. the career skills, bro, uh, so in the army, it's the career skills program. DO, the army had to do their own thing, but it's yeah. the same as the career skills bridge program that the DOD utilizes. Okay. Uh, we're in the process of becoming a vetted program through that internship opportunity, but I can say hands down being one of the people that used it, it's the most successful transition program that the army has to offer. Yeah. And what it does is it gives you up to 120 days of an unpaid internship with quite literally any organization that's willing to sign for accountability of you. And we're in the process because, because we are a nonprofit right now, the money that we give as scholarships to all of our candidates, uh, I don't want to take from that in order to cover the expenses basically of having interns live on camp for a long time. My, my goal is to make it as impactful as possible and which I'm trying to do it the right way. So this career skills bridge has been around for quite a long time. And unfortunately, because it was such a good program, I, I, I fear that it was a little bit hidden as an employer. You can imagine how hard it would be to just 
unconditionally sign off on your employees taking off for six months to do an intern while you still pay them. So I think it was unfortunately hidden for a while. So it's and been around underutilized. for a while though, right? Yeah, it's been around for a long time. And, but I would say in the last six months and over COVID, I don't know if COVID had any impact on it, but over the last six months, they've really opened the doors for the program to, to, to grow and grow quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in contact regularly with the guys running the program and, yeah. and they're being very, very motivated to grow the program because it yeah. is so successful. As you say, it's, it's an unpaid internship, but if you're still on active duty, the military right. is going to pay your salary. They're just not going to pay your TDY or TAD while you're there, or maybe not even right. pay travel expenses, you, but you're, you're still going to get your active duty pay. Like you were, you just get to go do it with a company or a program like yours and learn, learn more of those skills firsthand in person. Right. It's pretty sweet. And basically get your feet completely in the door of a company or maybe even just find out that that particular industry isn't what you wanted, Even better, um, yeah. but you get to do all of that before your paycheck ever stops. So, I mean, even just conceptually, it's about the best case scenario for a transition program. Right. Right. Um, can you talk a little bit in detail about, um, I think you said how much is the in-person portion of, of what you do there at FitOps in Arkansas? So it's 21 days on camp. Okay. So, um, you said you kind of run it in a basic training boot camp style way without the yelling. What are, are you, you're actually teaching people to become or be qualified as a personal trainer. What are some of the details involved in that? So they all do test at the end of the three week in-person ex- experience. They all test out as on a nationally accredited uh, personal trainer certification. And it, if they do pass, which we have a 90, 93% pass rate over the, the 10 camps and over nearly 400 graduates we've got, um, which is about 30% higher of, of a pass rate than the actual um civilian version of the exam or non-fit ops version of that exam. So we have a very high, high pass rate. Um, but as I said, they learn the curriculum and the how to kind of thing online. And then we fill in all the gaps and apply it and test them. We rehearse. And when I say basic training style model, I th- the whole, the whole intention there is to kind of a- awaken uh, or remind the veterans of the best parts of the military, the reason that they've found success. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we tend to shut the military out in a lot of ways because the bad always over overwhelms the good. But when we lose that structure, that zero six thirty wake up, that six thirty PT, regular exercise, three square meals, and most importantly, the ability to look left and right and know without a doubt that everyone around you understands what you're going through. And so I think I, I say it a lot, but the most magical moment of camp fit ops is the first night when everyone's in the chow hall, they're really interacting for the first time. And you see a bunch of candidates get off of the bus, not talk, quite, quite normal and what you'd expect. But within a couple of hours, they're all laughing, talking, sharing and, and bonding as, mm-hmm. and, and that's what you know, people ask how we do it. And really we just set the stage, but 
the loss of contacts veterans have with fellow veterans because there is no centralized effort to, to bring us back together. There's no new age VFW. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, yeah. The, the skills bridge program is, is sounds phenomenal. You guys are a nonprofit. So um, how, how do you, how are you normally going about um, fundraising uh, to, to fund, fund your programs in, I don't know if you're directly involved in it with yourself, but can you touch a little bit about the aspect of when, when you're running a program like this, you, you still got to go raise money, look for money to keep the program going. Absolutely. We have some really good sponsors and donors. Uh, we, we do regular fundraising campaigns. Um, there's always an active fundraising campaign on our social media pages, but fundraising is difficult. There's, there's no way around it, but we've had some amazing, amazing contributors over the last couple of years to include John Cena, um, challenging the world to, to match a million dollars. Um, he's, he's been great. Uh, Matt Hesse, our founder has, has helped a lot through his other businesses and his contributions have really kept us alive, but our continued fundraising efforts is what is what's keeping us going. Awesome. Well, Harrison, uh, thanks for sharing your personal story and uh, really awesome what you guys are doing there at FitOps. Um, if somebody's interested in becoming a certified personal trainer and coming to the SkillsBridge program before they get out, how do they get a hold of you guys? Go to www.fitops.org and click apply now. Um, otherwise, you can find me on any of the social media pages or our actual social media pages. Um, and I'd be willing to talk to anyone that's interested in talking about transition. Uh, I found mine to be, while not easy, very successful. And I, I wish nothing more than to inspire a generation of soldiers that could potentially be a little afraid of taking that step out of uniform to do it because there's a big world out here. I usually ask, I usually give you the last word and ask what kind of final advice you have for, for anybody, but you just did it. So we'll skip that part. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being here and uh, look forward to you guys future success and uh, hope the fit ops program continues to grow and thrive. All right. I appreciate you. All right. These two veterans or Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to veteran on the move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, Leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike.